0: Hello and welcome to the Oxford Policy Board. My name is Gloria Orera, and I am your host today. Today we are joined by the Mayor of Monrovia, the capital city of Liberia, Honorable Jefferson Koji. He has been serving as the Mayor of Monrovia since 2018 and is also the Secretary General of the ruling party, Coalition for Democratic Change. The Mayor today will share with us his journey um, in youth political change in Africa. He will also share with us his views on Um, climate adaptation for cities in Africa, as well as what steps have been taken to prepare for Liberia's upcoming election in October 2023. Mr. Mayor, welcome to the show. We are delighted to have you.
1: Well, thank you, Gloria. Thank you so kindly.
0: Thank you for joining us. Today, we are looking forward to having a conversation about young people in political leadership and your place and role as Mayor of um, Monrovia. Perhaps we can gear into conversations around sustainable cities and how we're enabling cities in Africa to be sustainable. Uh, but let's start with the politics. Tell me, sir, how did you get into political leadership in Monrovia?
1: Well, thank you. And uh, I want to seize this opportunity to appreciate uh, the family of Oxwell, uh, who thought it was uh, to the stand an invitation you know, so that I could be able to share my perspective. As a young leader in Africa and my own perspective as it relate to a municipality. And I also want to in interject something quickly. And I heard you giving your, your intro as the youth chairperson of the Congress of Democratic Change. Back then, I was the youth chair. I have extended that position i'm serving currently as the secretary general it was a position i held before before we reaching as the secretary general and i would like to say to you my inspiration i was my name is chavos and koji like you said i was born in a village in the northern part of liberia uh, basically we referred to Lofa county and i at a very tender age I also often lost my mother at a very tender age in a couple of days she passed out and I had to see myself through my father one of his, his wives you have to see me and I was brought to Morovia at the age of 7 and I landed in one of the biggest slum community in, in Morovia and growing up in a slum Uh, allow me to have some deep sense of belonging, a sense of appreciation about how life is. And uh, with that, I cultivated this sense of patriotism, Mm -hmm. this sense of nationalism, and I began to realize that there's a need of standing up, reaching out, And with that understanding and that acute education at the level of Islam community, those were where my inspiration drew up. So when I had an opportunity to get to school, I became inspired about inequality where we, jump into the national youth and student activism. I became an activist. I was championing a cause for young people and I was also championing a cause for vulnerable curves, the issue about rapes, the issue about rape, and uh, the issue about uh, creating a broader platform for participation for young people. As against that backdrop, after serving a protracted time as a national youth and student activist, it was one of the famous saga in our country where we had a thirteen-year-old girl mm-hmm. who got uh, who got murdered by her parents, mm-hmm. and uh, we saw it was in need to champion and advocate The late Injir Tokma, we flagged our conversation, and that we our advocacy led the parents to be incarcerated for seven years. Mm-hmm. And after an active participation from the from Liberian Federal Liberian Youth, Liberian National Student Union, mm-hmm. and after that, I got inspired by His Excellency Dr. George Manaweera, whose story is also similar like my story, who also grew up from the Islamic community, and uh, he became a a neutral person who served as a paragon of hope. A paragon of peace, mm-hmm. and uh, when he uh, decided uh, to participate in politics, mm-hmm. and uh, we thought he was the he was a neutral person mm-hmm. who could not be associated with the cabal of politicians who have filled our country for a long, part time. Um, taking into consideration, our country was founded in 1847, and. Uh, a condition doesn't appear to look very much encouraging. So basically, I want to say to you, those are things that really inspire me. And uh, the inspiration got to do with uh, inequality, uh, you know, we call disadvantage, and that the urge for standing up, uh, allowing you to let your voice to be heard, particularly not selfishly, but in a collective and general interest of your country. So the sense of nationalism and patriotism remain. Uh, the, the sense of identity my joining to what I am today.
0: Thank you very much. That sounds like a journey of resilience, endurance, um, and championing for the rights of the unfortunate. Um, you've been mayor of Monrovia since 2019. 2018? Um, yes. Please share with me um, and with us here on the podcast what have been your flag- flagship initiatives that you have implemented? What are you most proud of in your time as mayor?
1: Well, basically, we we uh, we created the we have created our more, our more visibility, and uh, we have uh, created um, a participatory leadership where you have uh, young people. Has an opportunity now, because first uh, there was we created a department that is deeply concentrated, uh, concentrated on young people, and our department is clearly enhancing uh, the capacity building, the academic. They engage into debates. They also engage into broadening their intellectual uh, horizon, and that we also created an inform where we have a conversation about women participation. Where we can be able to reflect uh, issues that related to women issues so we also uh introduce what you call a media relation uh, we never had today we have uh, a visibility like i said to so you We have the the morovia uh, uh, uh city tv you know you have mcc tv so w- w- you can go to morovia now uh, the city, uh, the city government has its own TV, and uh, we also have our own digital communication. Uh, we used to have a what you call. Um, we used to generate revenue. It was, it was a uh, very difficult so now we have digitized our our ability to generate revenue. And the an interesting part I would like to share with you: we have a payment platform that is authentic a Liberian called Iwali in one of our local Dalits called the Mandingo I think Iwali basically refer to money so we have one of our Liberian uh, entrepreneur who is uh, very innovative so sort of smart so he developed the payment platform as we speak to you even not only been using Liberia we have uh, we have even European country uh, gaining confidence using that so we as a city government we now decided to use that to be able to cut down the bottleneck with some of our people in paying taxes so on our leadership we're able to do that we also focus we have a focus also driven towards our vulnerable kids young people who became uh, drug drug addicted so we created a platform where we allowed them we call cnw city managed we call the city, uh, maintenance worker so what we try to do to them, to engage them, because since we could not have an opportunity to send them to rehab, mm-hmm. so we try to engage, the user, develop our own mentor, uh, our own mentor into about engaging them so the one who is willing to uh, to to liberate themselves mm-hmm. from some of the uh, abuses they, they find themselves with. So we engage them, we talk to them, So we were able to engage into uh, having the city, district clean. We told them to plant trees. So those are some of our approaches and uh, we're looking forward to see one of our major, major challenge is sanitation. As we speak to you, we stay trying to talk to, we talk to the World Bank. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you're up to my person, I am the 27th mayor uh, of the city. We yet to have a landfill. So I'm hoping to see on my legacy, we can be able to construct a modern landfill where we can be able to deal with one of the greatest challenges of the Monrovia city government, which happens to be sanitation and job creation.
0: Thank you very much for sharing your work, um, bringing transparency to governance in Monrovia, improving revenue collection and addressing the needs of the vulnerable youths um, in Monrovia. But something struck me, participatory leadership, you talk about involving building the capacity of youths and women to engage with politics. Tell me, as a young leader in African politics, what has been your challenge or your road towards political leadership? And what do you think is the place of young people in political leadership on the continent?
1: Well, I would like to share with you, uh, historically speaking, Africa as a continent have has a mismanaged brain. The brain of Africa has been mismanaged, in a sense that we've been projected that things, or uh, innovative things, doesn't happen in Africa. Uh, positive thing doesn't happen so easily. Uh, that's why you think in our country. And people think that before you can be, a confidence can be reposed in you, you have to be around your 45 and 50 years of age. And uh, when I became mayor, as the age uh, 31 to 32 years, it was like unimaginable. All of the conferences that I attended, and people were asking, are you the mayor? And I said, yes, I'm the mayor. Are you the mayor of the capital city? Of, the, of course, not just the capital city. I'm the mayor of a country that was formed in 1847, it's the first independent country on the continent of Africa. They said, "But how do you how you manage to be?" I said, "Because we we believe that it doesn't. We sh- it should not only be acceptable in London, where you have a very young person. He is 20." can have, you know, can have a confident repose in him and be doing things, or you go to Washington, D.C. We believe there are a lot of bright minds in Africa, but I think the space are not just given up. So I think it got to do with the mindset. We need to revisit our mindset. We need to, instead of seeing young people as threat, we might begin to see young people as assessed. And I think that have been the challenge we're facing on our continent. So, on our leadership as the uh as the mayor and uh, his excellency, Dr. George Manawear, uh, he disrupted a you know all of our country. He 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 afforded an opportunity for a cross section of young people uh to to participate in politics, and that's why I was able to serve as a mayor and uh, a lot of, of our young people serving in head of agency and also serving uh Ministers serve in ministerial position. So we are saying, not just in Liberia, even though Liberia is known for certain history, we cert, we we can be uh, regarded as the first country to accept, the first female elected president, Her Excellency, Madam Ellen Johnson, so lived. So we're beginning to see again a revolution that, look, young people in their 20s, in a terrorist must be given an opportunity to serve to you know to position of key influence so that we can be able to change it change the perception of our continent africa
0: well well done to liberia for leading the <laughs> charge <laughs> very well done and as a young woman um, I I have to say that um we were very proud of Sir um Helen Salif of oh, Madam Salif, um, Salif Helen Johnson um Let's talk a little about um, your role um, preparing for the elections. I know that elections are coming up in Liberia in 10th, October 2023. Do I have that right?
1: Yeah, October 2023.
0: Yes. Um, Monrovia is a capital city. Um, How is Liberia getting ready? How is the city getting ready? What, What has been put in place to ensure that we have participation but also um, safety and security for people to be able to engage and exercise their civic rights. How do you anticipate this election will be in in Monrovia and what preparedness is being put in place? Please share some of that.
1: Well, basically, uh, I serve in opposition as a, a... when from the onset of this conversation, like I said to you, uh owing from the fact that I served as a former national youth and student activist and subsequently becoming a, a political figure. I went in the opposition I serve as the former national youth leader of the leading of the leading opposition. I want to praise a couple of times on honor the leadership of Ellen Johnson Salif And uh what what I'm very proud of is uh Ambassador We are His Excellency, who is, he's not a traditional politician. He is a he happens to be a philanthropic. He happens to be um a Mediterranean who orge, is wanting to make an impact in the life of his people. So on the basis of that, he he has changed the paradigm of leadership. And I can say to you with a stupor. Uh, that as we go to these elections, uh, security, it is the first time on Ellen Johnson's leave, the United Nations security was in charge of the security of our country. But this is the first time that this president have provided leadership where the security is squarely enhanced of the Liberians themselves. We have the 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 Library National, National Police, we have the, the army. Uh, his leadership were greeted with a lot of protestation. But we interest you to note, it is in Liberia where the police were providing water, food for protesters in our country. So because the president instructed them that he want to preside over a country where people can have an opportunity to express their view. Where people can disagree with him, but at the same time, he can he can protect their right to disagree, and they can be fed, even within their disagreement. So I think that has been. we speak to you, coroners. I speak to you. There has been no political prisoner, unlike people like oh, we were a political prisoner back then. Though he's this, uh, he's in the six years now. There have been no political prisoner. So with the way he's conducting himself and. The way things are currently, uh, I think he have cultivated an idea, a tendency of uh, a broader participation, a competitive political participation, where uh, his leadership, Moro Moserado, who used to be the very stronghold of us, his leadership, Mm -hmm. we lost the election to an opposition, and uh, that opposition, he became. Uh, there was a by-election, the twenty twenty by-election. The president campaigned, and, you know, he he campaigned in a very vigorous way, but the people made a decision. We they we lost as a ruling party. I just trying to draw your attention to see how open-minded this leadership have become, and how we have guaranteed uh, the sense of political participation. Mm-hmm. So with these things, I want to... The only thing we try to do now is, and I'll be very frank with you, is the rhetoric we are trying to say to our people, look, we need to understand that Liberia remains our common denominator. No matter how we disagree, let us not destroy this country because we want to remove a particular in a group of people in power. But as a ruling party, we will continue to change our messages we continue to engage our people in terms about the messages we send out to them and to tell them that our country is lacking behind. we need to proceed ahead of time but you can be rest assured with the leadership of the president the security have been well on course the police have demonstrated a capacity of uh, ensuring that they can provide security and uh The joint security have also demonstrated on numerous occasions. There have been some challenges around, but those challenges are not sufficient enough to honor the peace and stability of our country.
0: It's really good to hear that. But what about the electoral body? Is there an independent electoral body in Liberia? How are they preparing? Will the election be physical or will there be electronic means? What about the fourth estate? Does the fourth estate cover the election? Will they have the chance to be in the media? How can we be assured that young people will Particularly, young people will will be able to participate and follow closely what is happening. How how are the rest of the apparatus outside of the security, the electoral body, the the news media, the rest of the political party, the opposition party? How is everyone prepared?
1: I, I can say to you, Liberia is is become Liberia is currently the theater of freedom of speech, and if there is nowhere where media are so freed in expression, this is a this is a there is a place where people wake up in the morning and insult the president as their weight and pleasure and this president like I said to you this president apparently the reason why he's not moved he's not moved because he's not a traditional politician he's a guy who who believe he feel very he feel very obligated he feel traditionally obligated to make an impact because there's a man who were born and raised in a slum and he all he saw Wanted, but he lived his life in Europe and uh, he became he became an iconic figure of Africa who uh conquered the soccer war uh, in Georgia. I don't know what you heard about him before. Yes, we have. So the media has been, the free media has been, to it. you know, you can, to your research, there have been no media person, you know, a practitioner who has been in, incarcerated. There have been no media institution who have been uh, been ruffled because of their opinion being expressed, even though some of some of them can wantonly uh, can wantonly what you call violate. what the president, you know, even a matter of, there's a bill that the president called the Kamari Kamara Uh what you call you know label. Mm-hmm. The president has created free speech, He's, so you can't go. No politician can sue anybody for label. The president had decriminalized free speech. So that's what we hear. Then under his leadership, he decriminalized free 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 speech. Then the issue about the electoral ballot, the electoral ballot, it, our, it, you know, our governance system is structured in a way, like, you know, like Bureau, like the United States of America. We have three branches of government we have the executive we have the judiciary and we have the legislature so the president can appoint the uh, the, the electoral ballot but uh, they can be confirmed by the legislature but we entrust you to note that once they are appointed they have seven years meaning you cannot the president has absolutely nothing to do to them so they become they become uh, independent independent and a matter of fact we won't say to you, both of them were people that the president reaffirmed their decision. They were not appointed by him. What he did, he just reaffirmed them. He reappointed them. And now they are there. So as we speak to you currently, the, uh, the voter registration is currently going on. We are going to use, currently we're using an electronic registration. Where you go, you have your card and you'll be electronic to be able to minimize uh, uh, voter fraud where you don't have many people registering twice and things. So he did this the first time under his leadership. We have he has introduced transparency in terms of a photo registration. So he's during Uh, quite well, ensuring that. So what we try to do, then, I would say to you, we have our internet, we have ECOWAS, we'll be monitoring the process. We have the European Union, we monitor the process. We have the United States uh, Carter Center. And a lot of these global uh, organizations that is involved in uh, even London, they are involved into electoral uh, uh, processes. We also have an opportunity to follow through.
0: Okay. Thank you very much. Sounds like you're ready for the election. Um, (laughs) Let's talk more about um, your time as mayor and particularly in the wave of sustainability and sustainable cities and climate responsiveness. I am aware that you're the executive member of the global parliament of mayors and a member of the international coalition for local environment initiative, ICLEI Africa committee. This committee works towards um, ensuring sustainable, greener, cities for all of us and responding to the challenges of climate change. In Monrovia, how are you adjusting to the climate? How are you safeguarding water, greening your spaces? What initiatives are you taking that are helping Monrovia adjust to, to the vagaries of climate change?
1: Yeah, uh, currently before I even left, we were, we won a grant of 200,000. And uh, currently we, you know, Monrovia is a coastal city and uh, we're trying to uh, plan uh, trees, uh, mango trees and, and coconut trees. So because, you know, a lot of our our uh, resident they became, of, of they became victim of flood disasters. They became victims of flood disasters. So what we thought to do is that we'll have an initiate, an, an initial engagement where we, my own thing is that we are geared towards, we have a very huge ambition under my leadership. Hopefully, when we get reelected, we hoping to see how we can be able to uh, equip the plane a million trees in and around morovia which remember currently now we we are targeting the first what you call the first forty thousand trees that we started we started first the first one we 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 planted it was 10,000. so now we're an additional 40,000 that we equate it to 50,000 trees. and now we have changed the location of the planting of those trees. We're trying to plant a mango tree along the long side of the, the beach uh, so that it can uh, it can serve many uh, purposes. One is to begin to, uh, to prevent floor erosion and uh, to also give an opportunity. To the uh, the residents on them, so before I came, we launched that and we tried to launch the initiative of the forty, the forty thousand tree. We we plant at least about about twenty five thousand mangrove, and we're gonna plant of fifteen thousand uh what you call coconut trees. and we during that too. You talk about the global parliament of mayor, obviously, yeah. The global parliament of mayor, we even were we're gearing towards hosting a summit but unfortunately for us uh, we have some concern because the elections are coming on those things so we have we have decided being as executive committee member on the board we have decided to the September 2023 due to the unforeseen uh, occurrences we have arranged the future even on September 15 the mayors we being invited to participate on an ongoing pre-summit debate on empowering and engaging and caring for cities delivering the democracy and development with a next generation organized by Morovia and the GPN. So we also also will be exploring new opportunity for the summit creating an alliance with other African cities, particularly your city, Nairobi and, uh, we have we have we are sent a communication mm-hmm. to the mayor of Nairobi hopefully he should be they supposed to be communicating to me so we are looking between either Nairobi or Accra mm-hmm. but I think uh, we very close uh, about 85 uh, percent to be having the conversation in Nairobi
0: well, we're looking forward to that on behalf of Nairobi, <laughs> but I, I like the sense of collaboration across African cities and, and, and sharing knowledge and cooperating um, to address issues together. Um, Mr. Mayor, yes. I want to, as we as we turn down the interview, I've enjoyed speaking with you, but I, I want to finalise um, seeking wisdom from you. Um, as a young leader, I'm hearing your journey from from destitute circumstances, really, into leadership of Monrovia. Um, We, the students of um, the MPP here, many of us have political ambitions, and a lot of us are young. Uh, But like you said, a lot of young people don't get opportunities in politics. What advice would you give for young people dreaming or desiring to engage in political leadership? What insights would you share um, that you think might inspire them to try for elective
1: office? Well, basically, depending where, if I'm talking to an African student, I will share a different perspective. If I'm talking to a European and an American student, I will share a different perspective because the opportunities uh, varies, like I said to you. I us take, for example, I was just telling somebody, I'm going, I've spoken to a lot of panel but when I said I was coming to Oxford, it was a different euphoria, the brand. They said, oh you are going to Oxford? Because these people have managed to brand themselves in a very unique way. And that's why I said, Africa has been one of the most mismanaged brands in our history. And that's why I'm craving the indulgence of our generation to not complain, but we must be able to rebrand Africa into a very unique attraction. And that's why I'm reading a book, and I would like to share with you the book is called Africa is Not a Country. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> Africa is not a country because too often people forget to know that Africa is a continent. When they say Africa, they just think you from one country. Every one of us, they don't know that you have the wonderful and amazing people of Kenya. Kenya, they don't know they have the Nigerians, they have the Liberians. They just summarise that all of us from one place. So I want to say to you, firstly, we African, we must, as a young person. You must first of all believe in yourself. You must have the self-confidence in yourself. And you must be selfless. And like I was just talking to a couple of students in Oxford, and I asked them, after you acquired this amazing education, what are you going to do? It will interest you to note. Out of the five that I spoke to, four told me that they want to remain here. And one of this, one of them was telling me that they would be going to the US. And the interesting person were you who said you will go back?
0: Yes, I do intend to go back home. You said you'll go back.
1: That is amazing. That sounds patriotic. That sound nationalistic, because we must be there. All is not well. It is those who prepared United Kingdom. The United Kingdom were prepared by British. It was prepared by them. So African must be developed, Africa must be developed by Africans. So we, I know there are challenges. People like you, we must go back. We must challenge the status quo. It is not an ordinary thing. We must challenge the status quo. We must serve as democratic disruptor. We must disrupt the system to ensure that the space is given and where we can be able to place our continent where our forefathers and our ancestors, like Kwame Nkrumah said to us, he said, Africa, we are not African because we are born in Africa. Mm-hmm. We are African because Africa is born within us. It's so that we carry Africa's inner. So it doesn't matter what is in Oxford, what is in Harvard. And like the AU will say to you that Africa, you, they say that you guys are the fourth, the fourth region. So we are about once every week trying to, all of the diaspora Africans, it's about time that we go back. And one of the things, you see what's happening, if we don't do it, it is much difficult, easier to leave from Liberia to come to London. But it's most expensive to leave from Liberia to go to Nigeria, to go to Kenya. Even our airspace, and I was sharing with one of your students, we must begin, we thought that only our, our land were being colonized. We think that even our airspace needs to be decolonized, where we might have an opportunity to take charge of a singular transport. I recall AU in 1999, they were talking about the Yamasoko in, in, uh, in Africa. They were talking about the Yamasoko Accord, where they said they're going to have a singular airstrip. Where it transport, where Africans would take charge of their own space. Up to now, mm-hmm. we yet to see that. It's because we we very good at giving these speeches, but we are not practicalizing these speeches. And I would want to share to you, Africans in Oxford, we must see, we must take the torch, we must be decisive, mm-hmm. we must be what you call determined. Mm-hmm. And with our determination, we also have to have integrity. We have to have discipline. We have to have unity. So even you African in Oxford, must begins to unite. And I see you and you and you and want you and Joshua to start sharing. If you cannot unite in Oxford, you may possibly not unite on the continent. Those are perspectives I would like to share with you.
0: Thank you very much. Um I hope um the applicants of Oxford get a chance to hear this. Um Mr. Mayor, I want to go back to one last thing um, that I just thought about. Uh, When you talked to me about the initiatives you've done, we talked about participatory participatory leadership for young women and and youth. We talked about media transparency, digitizing revenues, and then addressing vulnerable groups. I want want to zoom into revenues, particularly for a city like Monrovia. It is a capital city of Liberia. You're using technology to improve revenues. Um, how, how do you think cities, you know, can, can contribute to improving the economic conditions of their residents? So for example, do you have maybe subsidies or bursaries that you give to, to students or, um, particularly with the vulnerable youths, do you maybe give an allowance? How, how are you using the revenues that Monrovia is generating to improve the livelihoods of the people of Monrovia specifically?
1: Well, the, you see, the mindset that like, I wanna. We just start, and uh, we need a much more, we need a much more sensitization of our people. If our people have being sensitized adequately about how to pay their taxes and revenue. So it put on the position to see how we can be how we can be able to give back the revenue to them and I'll be very frank with you even though i shared those things to you it's still me a daunting challenge mm. for us in the city we haven't reached the point where our residents mm-hmm. have reached the point where they penal they find pleasure in paying their revenue but I think it would be if they develop they cultivate the culture of paying a revenue, I think it would be a real good thing. We can be able to give back like we open the schools. Mm-hmm. We allow them and we have the fund. We say, look, once you pay, then we have the mayor at the very university. And you say once you can read a GPA of this point, you have an opportunity to go to school. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to think about tuition. Mm-hmm. We like we seen the TVET. Mm-hmm. T-VET is one of the issues that the other one would go to this place. Mm-hmm. So we think we could use some of those resources generated, establish a TVET mm-hmm. institution. And our TVET institution will be geared towards giving livelihood to young people who are determined mm-hmm. to make better of their lives. To see, to take like an example, our revenue generation, not just from a city perspective, I want to give it to you for a national. Perspective where the finance ministry is doing a strip for us, but our our revenue is generated by the central government, Uh, because in a city about eighty five percent of the revenue is is within the city. So I don't think the central leadership is that confident enough to allow the mayor to be in charge of that. So, but we are we are opting for that. We are we are pushing to see where we can reach. Where the central leadership can be able to allow at least to give a fifty percent, where we can be able to generate. Mm-hmm. But as we speak to as we speak to you currently now, mm-hmm. the revenue is generated by them, mm-hmm. and uh, a portion of that is given to the city. Mm-hmm. So that we're doing. But I can say to you, uh, honor our, honor the leadership of the finance minister, Samuel Ture, and the excellency Dr. George Manuwe, uh, mm-hmm. we've been doing pretty well with our. Team. Take for example. The economic impact he reduced, he reduced or brought down a double inflation from thirty percent to a single digit, from thirty percent to a single digit. Uh, he also raised the highest level of domestic resources revenue from five hundred million to eight hundred million. That's raised the central leadership now. Mm-hmm. He also maintained the stabilization mm-hmm. of the exchange rate. When we came to power, the, the exchange rate was skyrocketing. So the leadership, owner, the finance minister Samuel D. Jr., mm-hmm. he did amazing work that saw the stabilization of the the the, the exchange rate. He also did a drastic cut of top government officials. because when we came to power, there was this uh, you some government official. Take for example, if you're a secretary of the mayor, and you have the, another secretary my mayor could be, the secretary could be making about 3,000 United States dollars and another person making $150. That was, the disparity was so outrageous. So, one of the leaders the president, we cut what you call harmonization to harmonize our pay grade where if you are a secretary in the mayor's office, if you are a secretary in the mayor's office and you are a secretary, all secretary would be able to make Then also There a reform of a broken widget a waste system that save government of thirty two million dollars, In dollars, and the reform of salary. We got fifteen thousand government workers were brought on, both additional. So, so basically, I can say the economy, honour his excellency Dr. George Manuwea. Those tax can tell you we not there, but I can say to you we pretty doing, we pretty doing well a little bit.
0: I think it's not sort a of destination; it's about doing the work to get there. Um, so, I think I think we're coming to the end of our interview, Mister um, Mayor. If you're reappointed following this election, tell me what are your plans for Monrovia? What are your grand plans for the city of Monrovia?
1: <laughs> well, uh, I was appointed. So once the president get elected, then I mean I get reappointed. So in uh, in Monrovia, our the mayor used to be uh elected until Ellen Johnson's leave for that the politics was so huge with the legislature. So what she did it was uh the Supreme Court ruled that the president has an opportunity to appoint the mayor. So hopefully uh, we guarantee what that's why as a secretary general we're doing everything possible to ensure that his excellency get re-elected. If he gets re-elected, my major and major legacy is so, dealing with sanitation in Marovia. Sanitation is a daunting challenge for me and my leadership. And the second one I would like to do is, that because I believe that uh, i built a huge responsibility as a young person, so that when I leave from here, so people can so we can be able to erase in a demand that young people cannot be seen as threat, but instead as assets. So, we will also be able to institute will be able to institute a policy that will create that will be able to institute a job creation policy that you don't have to wait you just have to wait you have you don't have to wait to be uh, employed but job young people can be you can be in school and you have an opportunity to say a lot of our people in monrovia uh, possibly they don't even know what they want when they get to university so we I'm thinking that we are very passionate about TVET I want uh, so once you leave on high school you can have an opportunity to have a career path before entering university those are two things I want to achieve hopefully by the grace of God
0: Okay. Thank you very much for joining us, Mayor Koji, um, and for sharing with us your work as a young political leader in Africa, the initiatives you're doing um, to help Monrovia adapt to climate change, your work with encouraging participatory leadership, media and transparency in Monrovia, digitizing revenue, and helping um um, at Risk Youth within Monrovia Thank you for sharing your plans um, To address sanitation in Monrovia As well as um, Helping young people get career paths We were delighted to have you Here at the Blavatnik School of, of Government And at the Oxford Policy Podcast To our audience Remember to follow us on social media You can find us on Instagram At Oxford Policy Board And on Twitter at Oxford Policy Board. Remember to like, share, comment We like hearing from you thank you very much
1: thank you thank you so much